This is a Billionaires in Boxes production. Hello and welcome to this edition of Billionaires in Boxes with me, Phil Paluccia. Uh, today is going to be an awesome episode. I can't tell you how much I've been looking forward to this. Uh, my guest and I actually caught up a number of weeks ago now uh, for what is uh, I commonly call our podcast pre-call. Now, to kind of give you an idea, these calls are usually about 15 to 30 minutes long, but I think Ryan and I actually spent probably several hours on the phone because we just hit it off, and this is a subject very close to my heart. Um, Ryan Hildebrandt is known as the TEDx guy. So for anybody out there who's listened to this that's either thought about organizing their own TEDx event or indeed speaking at somebody else's and wondering how to win those speaking engagements, Ryan is your go-to guy. Welcome, Ryan. Hey, Phil. How are you doing, man? I am absolutely awesome, brother. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. It's my pleasure. Yeah, looking forward to it. We're going to have a lot of fun. So um, as I was saying earlier, you know, the, the types of people who listen to this, we've got have a lot of entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, we have a, a lot of influencers and authorities and growing influencers and authorities in their space. So what better way than to, to talk about one of the most successful talk conferences of all time, hey? Yeah. And, and you know what? It's not just for people that um, want to do like, so, so, and, and we'll get into this, like, it's not just for people that want to do public speaking or mm-hmm. want to do a TEDx talk. TEDx is really, um, it, it's like the, uh, the Olympics for great ideas. So yeah. if you understand how a great idea, how an impactful idea is formulated, all of a sudden you can leverage your expertise for whatever you want to do, right? So whether you want to grow your business or get on podcasts like this or, you know, um, you know, stand out in your industry so that you can do any number of things or just honestly provide an impact and provide value to people with your wisdom. Um, mm. yeah, studying what works well for becoming a TEDx speaker and doing that process well, um, that has trickled on effects in the same way that the Olympics, you can study the techniques of, someone who's training at that level and, and borrow some of the stuff that's worked for them. So this is going to be good. It's like extreme content marketing. I love it. Do you know what? And, and, it, and it's, as you know, it's very close to my heart because I follow a very similar pattern when it comes to um, podcasting to kind of reach new clients and funding and influencer status and all that kind of beautiful stuff. Because I always say the same thing, which is, you know, the podcast isn't what we do. That's just the vehicle to get us to what we do. What we do is to help people to achieve those things that you just said. So, um, you know, I, I, I believe in omni-channel marketing. I believe in omni-channel presenting yourself. So, you know, it's not just about you do your own podcast and that's the end of it. You, you never do anything else ever again. It's about guesting on other people's podcasts. It's about networking both domestically and globally. Uh, you know, it's about sharing the best ideas, you know, so many things that we can explore with this. And, and, and that's what I love about what you just said, that, you know, the, that TEDx talks are, are the Olympics for great ideas. I think that's a phenomenal way of putting it. Yeah. And, and this is, I mean, uh, one of the things, and we'll get into more of this uh, in, in more detail, I'm sure, later. But I think a common mis- misconception is that these great ideas, they just come about automatically once you have a certain number of years experience or if, you are, if your network is great, then... It, that's the thing that, that affects the ability to get to these, these opportunities that you want, right? And, mm. and that's just simply not the case. Uh, it's not no. the case that public speaking, if you, if you go to Toastmasters for years and years and years, it is not the case that you will do better at this, um, at least not to that level. And there's mm. many, I mean, I can, I can share many examples of people who are award-winning Toastmasters speakers or sometimes world champion speakers and you you never see those people getting you would never see them as an expert in their field they are never going to get a book deal for something other than presentation skills so mm. ideas and in, in taking the ability to take your expertise uh, and the experiences you've had in in your career in your life um, you can treat these kind of like ingredients right at a, like a, like food ingredients um, mm-hmm. the the skill of combining them well is what makes like a chef, right? So, so a 100%. chef doesn't make better food just because they've got the whole grocery store. Having a whole grocery store doesn't make you a better chef. Um, the skill of a chef is in combining the right ingredients in the right proportion in the right way. Mm-hmm. 
and and making something delicious, and they can do that with like four ingredients. So, well, I was going to say, given, this, given that analogy, it's it's quite often the simplicity is the beauty, isn't it? It's the it's the less is more, and you allow the ingredients to speak on the page. That's right, that's right. And and you know, for people that are you know they have let's say you have a business and you're a knowledge worker, you make money when a client trusts you, and if you want an opportunity to, to like, so be do a TEDx talk, speak at a keynote, whatever it is, um, you get that opportunity when there's trust that your expertise is relevant to them person. Right. Mm-hmm. And what this means though, this is kind of cool. is like, you learn this skill and do it well. And we'll dive into like the how in this, in this uh, session, um, do this skill well, and you can outcompete people that have been around in your industry for longer than you have and have better mm-hmm. networks than you do and are are more established and have larger audiences than you do as well which is cool right um, massively no i absolutely love that well look i let a great place to start i think would be with your story for so for those of our listeners that, that haven't come across you before um i'd highly recommend going and checking out your linkedin page and following from there but one of the things that jumps out at me straight away is tedx lemmington spa now, forgive me, but you don't sound a lot like you're from Lemington Spa. So share that no, story that. with me. How did that come about? No, yeah. So I, um, I'm Canadian and I moved over. So I have an engineering background. I was working for an engineering a software consulting company um, in Canada. And I'd done a lot of travel around the world with them visiting client sites, but always wanted to live somewhere. Um, long story short, they opened an office in England. I moved over there. But when I got to England, I didn't know anybody. And Mm -hmm. in an effort to try to connect with people that were doing interesting, cool things in the world, I started this, this TEDx events right from the ground up. So TEDx Lamington Spa existed as of, uh, as of 2015 when I started it. And Mm -hmm. what was interesting about that experience is I had people apply to me to speak. They wanted to Mm -hmm. do a TEDx talk. And it was really clear. There was a lot of these people. And a lot of really experienced people, CEOs and authors and, and speakers and, you know, every, everyday people from all around, some of which had massive networks, some of which were, were very well credentialed. And mm-hmm. it was immediately obvious that a lot of these people just did a terrible job of telling us why they should be chosen as a speaker. So we asked for, well, what are you going to share? Like, what are you going to share? What's your idea? What do you want to talk to us about? And there was a pretty wide variety of quality. And so so I realized in that moment, there must, despite the fact these people are really experienced and despite all of the, the knowledge out there about how to do public speaking well and Toastmasters, like this is a very well covered industry. Despite all that, these people just didn't know how to articulate an idea that made us go, Oh, I really want to share that idea. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was, I mean, my engineering mind started working away and thinking, well, this is weird. This at least seems like this unsolved problem. And of course, it's one thing to say, well, these are, this is why we chose these speakers, not these other speakers. That's, mm-hmm. and that's, that's kind of interesting, but that's like saying, well, well, we chose these ones because they had good ideas or yeah, they were yeah. new ideas or different ideas, but that those words, uh, a better idea or a new idea or a, a profound idea, like that doesn't mean anything. It, yeah. You can't, you can't, um, it's like saying, um, you know, Phil, uh, do a great job. Like, what does that mean? How do I quantify that? How do I know if this job or this other job is, is better or worse? And so the next step of that in my thinking process was, if I were coaching the people that we turned down, what -hmm. would I have them do to make their ideas better so that they could, they could get invited to speak at another conference or something. And Mm -hmm. it turns out that that process is not a simple, it's not a simple process because you have to actually give people action items that they understand um, mm-hmm. and, and the, the course, the problem is, or the, the first thing you run into is in the inherent bias that people have in terms of how they think about ideas that came from their own head. So mm-hmm. I mean, we all have like psychological biases or we all know about these things. We know, we all know that there are problems with, with how we think. 
And um, this is a challenge that comes up when you when you have people self-evaluate their own ideas. And so people try to do things like they ask for feedback from their friends or they say, hey, of these five ideas, which which one is the best idea? Like things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or they ask, they write up a talk and they ask for feedback from from the audience or they they intuitively try to figure out, well, people are applauding here and nodding off here or people are asking mm-hmm. me questions about this thing. Like they have they have ways of managing these, um, you know, these things, which are also all common knowledge. I mean, most of your audience would, I think, know about asking for feedback. But yep. still, despite all of this stuff, despite all the knowledge out there that all kind of was made sense to me and clearly would made sense to these really smart people, they still did a bad job. So anyway, I started uh, working on that. Um, and so that was really the origin of this whole journey for me. That's the origin of TEDx Lumington Spa. Um, since that time, so since 2015, what I started doing is working with people who uh, want to do a TEDx talk. And the biggest thing they come to me with is, I've got all this experience, but what's my big idea? Like, how do I articulate what I know to somebody else such that it's relevant to them and it's, it's useful to them and it's, it's, it actually impacts them. It doesn't just add to the noise. They don't just say, oh yeah, that was cool. And they don't take action. So how do you actually, how do you do that? And then of course, a really high bar to reach is if you can apply to one or two TEDx events, really good ones and have them invite you as a speaker. Well, then you know that like, there's, these are really competitive events. Some of them have hundreds or even thousands of applicants. And if you're one of the mm-hmm. 10 that, that got in, I can hand on my heart, say, yeah, like this, this client has done a great job. And then of course we can look at the like YouTube views and uh, whether they got a book deal afterwards and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. So it's been, it's been cool to do that. Right. And, and to help people um, with these, some strategies that we'll, we'll talk about later in more detail. Um and then, you know, now I've got clients that come from Ivy League universities and are, um, you know, like Yale, Harvard, Princeton, Oxford, et cetera. And mm-hmm. so there's some really smart people, um, which has been fun, like that, that work with me, that trust me. And, and also like this, they, they kind of reinforce to me that this is a really big problem. Like even really smart yes. people that went to Ivy League schools, they still don't know how to do this. And in some ways, the smarter you are, um, the harder this is because you have to yeah. distill your wisdom down so that people that don't have your, your decades or years of experience can get and, and understand and actually can apply. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, I think this is really, this is really important. Obviously the ability to do this is not just, uh, doesn't just help you get a TEDx talk, which is cool. Like, it's an amazing opportunity. Yes. Um, and you know, I, I've, I've done it as well. So I applied my own scratch my niche. I applied my own methodology to, to, getting me the opportunity and it was my first yes. talk ever. Um, don't tell anybody, but um, you know, this is also really, uh, really interesting for like advertising. Like is your advertising working for you and communicating clearly to your clients, how amazing your ideas are, right? Yes. Do people know what they can get from you? This is really important for, even if you're an employee, um, you know, communicating to your industry, not just I have technical skill, but yes. I have the ability to lead and manage and, and strategize in such a way that, um, you know, even though I don't have 20 years experience, I can still be like a, like a team lead or a manager or, a, you know, VP of something, um, you know, and this is important as well for people that are even less like they're, they're not concerned necessarily maybe with, with growing in the industry. They're, they're concerned with giving back and how do I take all of my lessons from my life? and impart that wisdom on somebody so that I'm not just reading books my whole life and working away. I'm actually contributing to the body of knowledge of like the human species, which is this other cool thing. Like what's your, what's your legacy? So um, yeah. And, and, and so that's, that's the, the very, very 30,000 foot view. Um, I love it. Like journey you know, that I've so right. well, I was going to say, you're so right because I, I was, I was thinking when you were talking about, um, some of the growing trends that I'm seeing in terms of, of clients. And one of the major ones I've seen over the last sort of six to 12 months has been tech businesses um, who are at a certain stage where they're usually looking for funding or they're looking to let more customers know, like, and trust them. And the problem that they have is, and, and it's funny because you really summed it up well, the more intelligent you are, the more difficult that can sometimes be because 
um, you know, if you've got a very technical mind and you're a very well-educated person, you know, they, what they do is they teach you and talk to you about the how. They don't talk to you about the what and the why. Um, so actually, you know, when they're looking for investors, for example, yes, of course, that investor is going to want to know all about the product and they're going to know all about the service. However, at the beginning, they just want an overview of what it does and who it's going to help. They don't need to know what systems it was built on and how it's d- developed them. And they don't need to know any of that. It's, it's the, what is the end goal? What is the outcome that comes from utilizing this equipment? And I've often found that intelligent people struggle with that the most. I'm not saying that other people are intelligent, but like very highly educated people, they really struggle with that because it's like to, to take something and almost dissect it so it's bite-sized and, and, and can be absorbed by so many different people from lots of different backgrounds, many of whom will not have you know, a tenth of the technical knowledge that you have, that alone is a skill. Right. And you want to, you don't just want to, so, and, and there's different elements of a great idea, right? So, so it's not just about being, so part of it, what kind of one layer is being clear, which is super important. Um, you can't, you can't dismiss that, but another layer is just because, you know, just because your, your idea is clear doesn't mean anyone cares. So it's I can hurt. teach you how to make a peanut butter sandwich, but you don't care. No one cares, right? Mm. Um, your thing can be perceived as, clear yet common knowledge or commonplace or whatever. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just about, I mean, it, it, so people have, or may have seen Simon Sinek's talk start with why, right? This is mm-hmm. the, uh, and it's a great talk. Um, people should definitely go watch it. And it, he talks about how you should share your beliefs, like not just I make computers, but um, you know, I believe that, so Apple, Apple, you know, Apple believes in thinking different and being creative and disrupting the industry and the design and making things look good uh, mm-hmm. and beautiful matters. And they make computers and, and phones and monitors and whatever else, right? But your why can be, so that's not even the whole story because your why can be really common knowledge and boring. Like, hey, we're mm-hmm. a tech company. We believe in in code that works every time. Well, yeah, like th- obviously, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. yes, uh, okay. Like, uh, tell me something I don't know. And so this is another, and we can get into like the the main principles or the main kind of dials to tweak for that for an idea to come across in a in in the most impactful, profound, valuable way. Um, mm. One dial is clarity. Do people understand your point? Another dial, I would, I, I call it belief shifts. This is not is your idea new, but are have you targeted a a belief that you hold to be true that other people don't, and mm. and how precise can you be about that thing? Because if you don't do that, you just say things they already know or they already assume to be true, and so then the cost, uh, which is like another element of uh, of ideas, it goes up because you spent you spent too much of your audience's attention on stuff they just already know. Mm. that makes a lot of sense that makes a lot of sense okay well look, let's let's dive straight into it then so uh, you know, yeah let's say if anybody listening to this is thinking do you know what ryan this sounds like a great idea i'd love to do this how on earth do i get started what what are the kind of actionable steps that people can take right what, what sort of stage do you find that people come to you at do they already kind of have this idea have they already attempted to do this with tedx talks and, and not succeeded or do they come to you at the very beginning how does that typically work yeah, so so most people come, um, you know, and, and whether they want to do a TEDx talk or whether they just want to like like do just do a better job fundamentally at at um, maybe they want to write a blog post that establishes them mm-hmm. as a go to expert in their industry, right? So they don't really they don't jive with public speaking, or they want to book a keynote or whatever it is. Um, they generally come to me with with a number of ideas of things they could possibly talk about, and part kind of question one is, well, of these things, I'm not sure which is the best one. Um, or the, the ideas that are head are a bit jumbles. The first thing I have them do. And the first thing I would do, um, for anyone listening is just like, just brainstorm ideas, right? This is kind of a simple process. Um, you know, everyone knows how to do this. I have some techniques for, um, for helping people do this better, but the, the long and short of it is like, don't edit yourself while you're doing this. You know, all these things that everyone knows about brainstorming the, the next thing I would do very quickly. Um, and of course I've got more details here. We can, we can link to some stuff at the, uh, at the end where people can get this in more detail. But the next thing I would do is kind of high level rank your ideas. Number one, which is the most exciting to you as in which, which do you 
uh, are you most excited about and passionate about working on? Because you're going to be spending a lot of time and effort on this thing. You may as well work on something that you like. Uh, mm. Second thing is how much of an expert are you in these things, right? So I don't care if you're passionate about it. If you actually can't, if you don't actually know what you're talking about, you shouldn't be talking about it. And then the third piece is kind of just an estimate as to the value for the audience. So as an example, um, I have traveled quite a lot, right? So I've, I've been to 58 countries. I'm a citizen of two of them, uh, lived in three of them. And so talking about some aspect of travel, yeah, like I've got some data to back me up there, right? Mm-hmm. Am I excited about talking about travel or writing a, like a travel blog? Mm, not really. Um, and so the kind of the, the passion or interest column for me would be quite low. Um, and so you want to find an intersection of all three of those where you think it's it, it's a valuable problem to solve for somebody else, you know, pie and like kind of thumb in the air estimate. You mm-hmm. you can you can say like you actually know what you're talking about compared to most people, and that would be relative to the audience, of course. And then mm-hmm. third piece is like, do, do you, does it light you up? Do you like it? Uh, and that's that's the part that that that's really the part that's that's the part that you can do alone. Um, the next part after that is we get into like testing. So we talked about clarity. Um, that's your first step. Your point needs to be clear to the audience. Right. And the way that I test for that is again, considering the fact that you have biases, right? When, Mm -hmm. what you think makes sense in your own head to you, you may say, Oh, this is clear to me. Like it's clear what I want to talk about. But your terminology, again, if you're a technical person, um, the industry kind of jargon, it changes based on your audience, right? If you're talking to a very technical audience, you would use different words. And if you're talking to a, a bunch of high school students, um, and if you're talking to an investor, of course, the investor cares about different things than if you were talking to your, your next like CTO hire, right? So mm-hmm. what I have people do is I, ha- I call it the echo test. Um, I have people express their point. So maybe my point is, uh, for example, that crafting ideas is a skill that is distinct from presentation skills like speaking, um, that it, you can, you know, you can use to get opportunities like TEDx talk or a keynote or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I have people tell me what they think I mean, right. Or, or I have my clients say like, go find someone at, at like a coffee shop or message like a high school friend on Facebook and say, Hey, mm-hmm. if I, if I had to talk about this thing, you know, in one sentence, what do you think that, what do you think it would be about? What, what sorts of things would I talk about? Um, and you can That's find cool. out very quickly if they think like if, they, if you're getting, if you, you do this with a few people, you will find out very quickly whether or not they have the same understanding of those terms as you do. Yes. And whether or not you need to tweak something, you can use this by the way, for like a, like the name of an app or the title for a book or whatever it is, right. Being clear is, is really important. Um, and, and that would be like layer one that that's fundamental. It's foundational. I would say that's the most important aspect of, uh, a great idea. And we'll get to like why in a second. So that's clarity. The next thing is, and this is like, if people are taking notes, this is, this is number two in the list. Number two is belief shift. Um, it, I don't use novelty or newness or being different. I, I, I don't use those terms because uh, people sometimes try to be different, but they end up being weird and which yeah. diminishes clarity. And so they're trying to be, they're trying to be like, Oh, I'm uh, what they do is they, they take something that's very basic and common knowledge and put a mm. weird title on it and say like, this is my new idea. So mm. you don't want to do that because people are pretty smart. They can see right through that, at least when there's a competitive situation, like everything on the internet or, you know, a, a competitive conference like TEDx or a client. I mean, they're not stupid. They can see that you're just, you're saying the same thing as everyone else with a different name. Right. So the way that I test for this, and this is, this is quite cool. Um, I have people ex- like express their assertion, their point, right? Their thesis. Mm-hmm. And I, what I want is I want people to argue with them. I want people to tell them like, no, you're, you're incorrect. And you can mm-hmm. test this. You can post it on Facebook and say, Hey, 
you know, uh, maybe your thing is you're, I'm making this up. You're a podcast producer. You're Phil. And you're, you want to write a blog post that encourages people to um, start their own podcast. You mm-hmm. could write like, hey, I think podcasts are uh, a far more effective marketing tool than, um, than blogging or YouTube videos are today. What you want is people to say, Phil, I don't know if I agree with you there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason you don't, you don't ask people, do you think this is a good idea? Or do, would you like this is because people are biased, right? Yes, cool. So you want people to like counteract their own biases just to socially put the relationship at risk <clears throat> and, and tell you the objections, like the reasons why they don't already, already agree with you. Right, because if if you're out there and you have an idea for something that you want to share, I mean, everyone listening is really they're they're smart people. Chances mm-hmm. are you have that idea because not everyone already thinks you're right. So mm-hmm. no one's out there it's thinking I really want to talk about how the world is round and vegetables are good for you and chocolate is tasty. People are not the, those ideas were not one of the the ones that people brainstorm. They're they're only no. brainstorming ideas before that that aren't that they see they believe to be true, but not everyone in the world is, is kind of doing this already. Right. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, this is kind of number two belief shift. The way that you do this is I call it the disagreement test. Um, you're looking to start a, a friendly debate and there's a lot of benefits to this. Number one is you test that this is not common knowledge in the way that you've phrased it. Number two, uh, you get other people, they, they write, the objections. So you basically they're writing your content for you. They're telling you, Hey, you know, uh, podcasts are actually not that great because you know, the SEO is not good because you know, it takes a lot of time to do the a full transcript or whatever it is. They actually say you're getting their mm-hmm. real objections, not the objections you think they're going to have. Right. Yes, and and they're this quite test often f- very different. Yeah. This test for may sure. fail too. I've had several clients where this test fails. They go, I can't get anyone to disagree with me. And I'm like, that's wonderful. That means we have to tweak your message because if you try to pitch this to a TEDx event <clears throat> or try to get people to um, pay attention to this, they're they're going to think like, this is great, but they're, it's not going to really resonate or impact them, yeah, right? So for, sure. you, you, for all of these tests, you, you may fail at that level and that's your sign that you got to tweak something and do it again. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other, so the other cool thing as well is if you're wondering... Uh, well, if I write this whole thing up, will people like it? Will they resonate with it? Will, will, you know, is this going to be good? Basically this test tells you, Hey, like people are investing in your idea. Mm -hmm. They're, they're taking their time out of their day to write, you know, X number of paragraphs. And this is telling you, this is at least the topic is interesting to them enough. So they're putting in, they're putting in time and effort. This is kind of like Kickstarter for ideas. Like, yeah, we I can't love get it. people to pay for it, um, you know, in the in the same way that you're you're kind of would launch a physical product. You can't get people to sign up for you know and uh, and give you money to, for a beta test. What you can do though is see that they've invested time and energy in engaging and talking about your idea, right? Mm. Um, anyway, there's there's more to this disagreement test doing it well, but you can you can use all of these these tests. These are not just a a diagnostic or like an affirmation that you're on the right track, but also it steers you in the right direction, right? It oh, steers you well, towards- if I may, Ryan, I, I actually use the disagreement test to, to kind of grow my business. So when I, right. when I first started podcast mentoring, my thought was um, rather naively, I suppose that the best people I can help are people that already have a podcast, but are struggling. Cause there's, there's a lot of statistics out there that show that people do it for about three months. They're disappointed with the number of listeners that they've got and then they disappear. But what I actually found when I started going out to market and, and, and talking to people was when I did the, this disagreement test, I would talk about what I use podcasting for. And I'd, I'd say things that people would just think were, were ludicrous. So I'd say, you know, I didn't care how many listeners I was getting to a podcast because I was using it for business development and global networking with people in my industry. Um, and people were going, well, wait, what? You don't care about how many listeners you've got. Like, that's what this whole thing is for, surely. Like, if you don't have 10,000 downloads per, per podcast... And my argument was, it doesn't matter if nobody ever listens to my podcast again. If I'm having five conversations a month with ideal clients of mine and building relationships up with them, 
I'm making more money than the podcaster who's getting 10,000 downloads, but winning no business from it. And that was where our business really grew from because people would come back to us. And, and, and I, I quickly found that actually it wasn't podcasters that, that wanted to do this. It was business owners and, and, and influencers who wanted to have more of a voice. You know, they were, they were finding the challenge that I'd found when I first started my business, which is it doesn't matter how good you are at what you do. If not enough people know, like, and trust you, you're always going to be in trouble. Um, and podcasting was just a phenomenal tool that I found to do that. But I discovered that niche, if you want to look at it that way, by having that exact conversation, by going out there into, you know, into very well-established podcast groups on Facebook, for example, and saying, it doesn't matter how many listeners you get, it provided you get this kind of outcome. And I would get some people going, that's really interesting, let's talk about it. But I'd get a lot of people going, nope completely wrong like it's got to be about listeners because you're not even getting picked up by this aggregated this happens in this aggregator and um i really got to it's funny you, you mentioned it before actually um it really helped me with my sales approach and even my sales material because i knew what the objectives were and they weren't even objectives that i would have thought of uh and objections that i would have thought of so i i now get to utilize those in my marketing to say so some people will say this and to them yeah exactly exactly so this is exactly how you take this this data from this test and you use it to write your content or create your content like this is Mm -hmm. um and and you know but and and this what we're talking about here on the surface can seem kind of like common knowledge like of course you want to say something that's a bit different from the industry but using this as an intentional tool before you've actually ever written a word of your uh, of your content, that's mm-hmm. the key thing. And then using this as a very like like aiming for something. And again, we're not just talking about like so. So number one, if if no one disagrees with you, then your idea sucks. Like yep. period, end of story. That's it. Um, but like we're not just talking about being a you know being a bit of a dick here, right? So mm-hmm. it's this is important. Um, again, we're starting with a foundation of, and this is kind of back to the first thing I said was evaluate these things in terms of, can it provide value to the audience? Right. Are you, you're like a, can I swear on this? Uh, probably not cause it's going out on radio. I can bleep it okay. if you do. Okay. 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 <laughs> okay. So you, you, it's not just about being, you want to be like a benevolent, uh, jerk, right? Was, yep. <laughs> I'll use the, um, so the benevolent part is really, is, is interesting. Like you want, you want the best for people. You're sharing this because the, the idea provides value, but also you want to be very direct and this test helps you do that. Um, so, so that brings me to like the next, the next thing that's mm-hmm. the next, the next layer up. So this is less important than clarity and, and belief shift, but still very, very important. Um, I call it baseline. So, I mean, everyone's read content that uh, overlaps too much. Like it spends too much time talking about things I already know. And everyone's read mm-hmm. stuff where um, it's too advanced or, and everyone's heard, uh, heard people talk where um, they're aiming to change your beliefs, but it's, it's too much of like a battle. They're like, you're wrong. Yeah. You guys all suck. And it's like, yeah, they're, they're making an effort there to change the like the industry the behavior but they're just coming across like they don't they don't empathize with the existing understanding of the audience and how that came to be well like they don't so, understand humans as well because nobody <laughs> ever deals well with somebody in your face going you're an idiot you're wrong look at this right. you know you're right. more likely or, to dig your heels in and deliberately not listen to that person or not it, exa- exa- exactly so like for a perfect example of what not to do look at almost every political discussion that's happening on facebook right now <laughs> yeah it's a good right? example they're like this side is wrong the other side saying this side is wrong and and no one actually like um this is a classic and this is another element of of this whole conversation that that, that transcends everything which is there's a difference between your audience and your advocates so mm-hmm. you have people that you wish to change but there's also a lot of people that like your content that are like they're preaching to the choir right mm-hmm. so uh and, and you, you mix these two groups up, you could end up getting a lot of positive feedback. Like your idea is great, but you're getting that positive feedback from people that already agree with you. Yeah. So what you want to do with baseline is, is understand that um, people are not stupid. And if they disagree with you, they're not dumb. And you need to understand um, what their beliefs are already, even before you've, you've shared your beliefs. And then also 
understand with, with your experience and you can do better research to figure this out. Um, how did those beliefs come to be? So mm. a, a perfect example is with this whole the discussion about ideas here. Um, a lot of people believe that if they do more public speaking, then they will have, like eventually grow to this level where they can do a TEDx talk and they'll have more influence in the industry. As in, they believe that presentation skills lead to better ideas, right? Right. The sure. degree of truth there, and there is one, the degree of truth there is that um, your, self, your subconscious does a really good job of putting ideas together, right? And if, if you try something enough times, you're going to get it right. And this actually does work very well at the, at the beginning, right? There's not a lot mm-hmm. of people that are willing to share ideas in general. If you're one of the few people that is actually trying, you're going to do better than 95% of the human race just because you're yeah. willing to get up and like share an idea. Um, sure. and, 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 and so the difference is like why we're kind of why we're going in detail here. What I'm talking about is, uh, and we can use like a sports analogy. I think we, we talked about like a football, like a soccer analogy, right? Is yeah. if you want to get better at playing football, soccer, um, just go out and play, right? Just go out and practice some stuff. Like you'll just try and, and you'll be good by simply trying you, your brain is pretty good. Um, you'll get more coordinated and get better skills, but that, that mm-hmm. process will never get you to the premier league. Never. Like it's just never going to happen. And the, all these tests I'm talking about here, like this separating these skills of presentation with idea, uh, this matters, uh, doing this skill intentionally matters. If you want to get to an event like TEDx, if you want to get a book deal, if you want to have people uh, read your blog post and tell you years later, hey, I've been doing this thing for the last several years. You know, here's my modification on it. Like this has changed my life or I've shared this with all my friends. Um, That latter state is what I've been able to do for myself and my clients, but we've only been able to get there because we separate the skill of presentation, right? With the skill of um, uh, idea crafting. Now, when I, when I phrase everything like that, if people can like pause and kind of go back and listen to, again, to what I just said, I'm not saying like, if you believe that, you know, speaking will get you to TEDx, you're an idiot. Like a, that's not true. Like there is an mm-hmm. element, the element of truth in that belief is that it does work um, when you're first beginning. And I can, I can share analogies as to why that's the case. Um, while, while being very respectful of the fact that, this is how this has come to be. Like most people have never figured out what it takes to get to a text level and have helped real clients get there. So they, they wouldn't have ever been exposed to the need for this. Right. It's like for most sure. people don't know what it takes to get to the Olympics or premier league because not because they're they've dumb. They just have know. never even looked, they've never needed to know. They've never looked into it. So that's baseline. You don't want to be, uh, you want to be, that's the benevolent part of, of the, of the, the, the jerk side, right. You want to, mm-hmm be respectful of the fact that it's not you're right and everyone else is wrong. Um, There's an element of right. And the way that you phrase that and build that into um, your content, there's many different, that's the art side of the science, but um, that's the next, that's the next really important thing, Um, which is really, I mean, it's, you don't want to be, yeah, like the political arguments happening on Facebook right now, which don't uh, change anyone's mind. Um, yeah. And then, and then the next piece is I call it barriers. So you want to overcome and, and realize that the reason people don't believe what you believe isn't because they're lazy or uh, need to overcome fear. Like all these things that are kind of uh, excuses, like kind of surface level, like, Oh, people just need to take action. Like, yeah, but like, why it's your, it's your job as a, as the expert in this idea Mm-hmm. to discover the real reasons why they haven't they haven't taken action and and honestly this baseline barriers thing one of the best ways to discover that is to talk to real people and to help them through the transition so For one sure. of the reasons why i i have i know how to get people through this process is because i've actually coached people through this process like people have come through the other side with me yeah. and and so because of that i've it, they don't get results if I can't help them and I mm-hmm. have to figure out um, what their real barriers are if I hope to help them overcome it. So 
Um, a, a problem here, for example, is is people that achieve something once themselves and then want to talk about like how to do it. So they say, "Oh, I lost. I I become successful. Like I made, you know, whatever. Uh, I was homeless and now I'm six figures, and and now I want to talk about how you can do the same." Well. They certainly know some of their journey, but what they're missing is, is the third party perspective, like uh, of, of uh, the barriers that they overcame that they didn't even realize they were overcoming. Uh, I'm so and, glad you said that. It's so difficult yeah. to capture that information. So, you know, I, I talk it about is. the same thing with, within what, with what we do. So when people, about six years ago, when people started to come to me and say, okay, can you teach us the podcast bit? Can you teach us how you won these speaking engagements? You won these clients. How is it that I'm getting stuck on the gatekeeper and you're spending an hour and a half doing a podcast with the CEO of the company? I can't even get them to return my emails. Right. And the hard thing was, it was like, okay, so you're asking me to essentially coach you and mentor you in this, but I'm so busy kind of just enjoying the fruits of the labor that I haven't even really stopped to look at how those fruits grow and how they develop. And it's a very different thing being able to just kind of go with the momentum and keep that momentum high than it is to take somebody who has zero momentum in that field and help them to put a blueprint and a roadmap in place that's going to guide them there. And actually, you're absolutely right. I think a lot of um, that in process for me was was almost very consumer-led. It was them saying to me, right, well, this is what I'm thinking. This is the, the objective exactly. that I have. This yes, is the barrier exactly. that I have. Exactly, yeah. Exa- so, so what you – so like what – I mean, what you want to do basically is – um. Uh, and, and this is one of the reasons why, like you, you want to hire someone who's not just done it themselves. You want to hire someone who's helped other people through the process is because the person who has taught the process, uh, successfully, man, their level of understanding, like your level of understanding about how to do that is like, not just a little bit higher than someone who's just done themselves. It's like hundreds of times higher. And, and also the cool thing too, is helping other people through a process. It helps you see, uh, gaps in your own understanding and like even for me honestly like i'm i'm an engineering guy right i like i like the i like to understand the machine and um helping other people through that process is is been so cool for me even to see the other the kind of the layers deep this goes right there and there's Mm. assumptions like i was making around even like how i work that were just i i didn't realize i had learned because of my engineering background or because I had studied a lot of marketing stuff or because I had been an entrepreneur for a while that other people, like when I, when I've got clients that are in their, in their late sixties and also in their twenties that are, you know, entrepreneurs or Ivy league grads or YouTubers. And some of them have no audience, like no, no Twitter account. Mm -hmm. And some of them have hundreds of thousands of people on their, you know, YouTube and Twitter and Instagram and email. And like, they, they think very differently. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's been so cool to see the, the nuance there, um, with all of these things. Okay. So, um, I want to get to the last, the last piece, and this is something that a lot of people think is, is the most important, but it's actually, I would say it's probably the, the least important. Um, it's related. All these things are related by the way. So if you do a really good job of, overcoming barriers and respecting the audience's baseline, right? Your idea will be more clear and it will do a a more effective job of overcoming, like like changing their beliefs, right? You do a great job of respecting their baseline. They go, Oh, I get, I get how, what I already know relates to this idea. Right. So, so tweaking these things, they're all dials all that all affect each other. Right. So the last piece is, uh, what I call idea credibility, right? So this is not your credentials. This is, do people believe you when you just say something is true? Um, mm. If you do a great job of, of everything else, this helps with this, certainly. But this is when we talk about like, you know, s- scientific studies and research and things like that. You can also use things like, um, uh, so for people that have read Jordan Peterson, uh, he has a chapter in his book called 12 Rules for Life. It's and I think the first chapter he talks about um, lobsters, right? Yep. And lobsters, for people that have read the book, it's a, it's a great book. I recommend it. It's a fantastic um, book. I'm looking at it on my uh, shelf. Yeah. Okay. So he talks about lobsters, and and the reason he talks about lobsters is because lobsters have been around for millions and millions of years. They're old, I guess, as old as dinosaurs. And 
lobsters have dominance hierarchies. So there are alpha male lobsters and beta male lobsters and all these things, right? And the alpha male lobsters get the best houses and, and the you know, like the best whatever seashell and, and the best uh, mates. And, and he uses that analogy to make the assertion of the point that hierarchies amongst humans are not because of capitalism or the no. patriarchy or all these things. It's biology. Yep, absolutely. Um, and you can use the same, I mean, uh, Simon Sinek's talk, he talks about uh, in his TEDx talk, his like 2009 one, the, the first one, he uses the analogy of Martin Luther King Jr., the Wright brothers and Apple, right? He doesn't talk at all about Simon Sinek and how famous and, and important and, and research Simon Sinek is. He talks about mm-hmm. these other people to lend credibility to his arguments, right? He's a, well, this is, this is this pattern that exists amongst these three things that we all respect quite well. Um, and, and, and these are sort of higher credibility than me, right? You could also use, I mean, if, if you're, uh, if you want to make an assertion um, about some scientific discovery, the fact that you say, well, this is my research and this is what the, what the stats show, like that's another example of this, right? What you don't want to do is treat this one first and say, I'm going to prove to all of you that are, that an idea that's absolutely common knowledge is right. Like, you know, scientists prove that chocolate is tasty. Like no one needs to understand. No one needs research for that. So I would put this at the, I would put this at the top of the pyramid in terms of how important this is, but you know, you, you can certainly, um, there's examples of, of all these things, these techniques being used in, pretty much every, uh, you know, every TEDx talk that's, that's been really good. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, every, every book that's people say, oh, this is really well written, right. Even though the writing style of Jordan Peterson is very different than the writing style of Malcolm Gladwell and Brene Brown, like their styles are completely different. Their, their topics mm-hmm. are completely different. Um, but, but the way they craft ideas is all, it all follows these, these principles, even a tweet, right? Like a, a really good tweet where you're like, Oh, that's a good idea. Uh, there's elements of all of these in that tweet as well. Love that. Yeah. I completely love that. Ryan, yeah. believe it or not, brother, we, we are coming to the end of the show. I mean, we could, well, we said jokingly, didn't we? We said we could probably do like a Joe Rogan style podcast where we just go for, for several hours. Um, if, if you're up for it, I think what we should actually do is, uh, do a little bit of a masterclass. I think we should probably record another episode at some point and, and actually go through and and let's bring something to the table. Let's bring an idea to the table and say, right, let's do these things. Let's 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 put it through the test. Let's strength test it. Let's look at it. Even if that requires a little bit of a, you know, the pre-work with the strength testing and the barriers and all that kind of stuff with people prior, so we can bring the evidence to the table when we're when we're doing the recording. If you're up for that, I think that'd be a really we, we totally time. should. I mean, we totally should. Yeah, I'm like, and you can, I can even share. So, like, I did this with my. I mean, we can do a we can do a modern idea too. But um, you know, from my TEDx talk, this is mm. how this idea evolved. Is is I I really went through and like you can find the the post on my Facebook page where I posted this and that you can see the the arguments my friends had and you can see how in a blog post and then in a you know in my tedx talk like i used all these things um but yeah we could we should totally do a part two we could probably do like multiple hours of talking about this we really Um, could yeah you know because we the the reason that you and i resonate so well i think and i'm sure that our listeners will have have loved this but i think the reason that, that you and i resonate so well is obviously you came from this and from a an engineering background and I came from this from a surveying background. So my, my attitude is always, it doesn't matter how complex that piece of real estate looks or that building looks or that site looks. My job is to get that down into the most simple equation with a blueprint that people can follow. It's X amount of bricks. It's X amount of glass. It's X right. amount of man right. hours. It's X right. Amount. right. And so I'm exactly the same. My head is always trying to do that. And actually, whilst that's a really fantastic skill for me as a coach, that was a real learning point for me to the other people don't necessarily think that way. Um, I think that way because I was trained and educated to think that way. Um, plus there's an element of biology in there as well, which is why I went and studied that in the first place. Um, but I think, you know, it, it's, it's as we were, you know, we were, we were dishing it out to the, to the text before and the technical people saying, you know, sometimes that's difficult for them to verbalize in, in a way that's understandable for many different people. Uh, something quite technical 
well, you and I come from the same school of thought. You know, we, you come from an engineering school background. I come from a surveying background. Just because we understand that that's how to break down a process doesn't in the slightest mean that other people think that way too, nor that they should, because if they've had no reason to ever think that way or learn those skill sets, you know, it doesn't make them wrong. It doesn't make them stupid. It just means that they right. haven't had the exposure right. to that. Right. Absolutely. I mean, and I think the, 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 un, the, the kind of the conclusion from all this I want to leave people with is, um, articulating your, your knowledge in a way that is massively valuable to other people is a skill that mm-hmm. you can learn. It's not, it's not trivially easy, right? So this is not simplistic. Um, you know, it's like running a marathon. You, if you just tried to run a lot, you would just never get there. It would, it would seem impossible, but if you follow a, a training plan, it doesn't take away all of the work, but it makes it a whole lot more achievable to get there. So if you're, whether you're in business or professional or whatever, whatever it is, and you want to stand out in your industry and you want to maximize and like leverage the expertise that you have, because like everyone's got great ideas, right? It's just a question of, can you communicate that, uh, that to somebody else so that you can get opportunities. This is very much a skill that uh, we haven't had time to go into all the detail, obviously here, but this is very much a skill that you can learn that, um, it just doesn't depend on you being, you know, charismatic or a good public speaker or a quote unquote good writer. Uh, if an engineer guy can do a TEDx talk and as, as his first public speech and people think he's a good speaker, um, you can do it too. <laughs> so I love that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, brother. Well, look, obviously you're, you're working on your book as well. So how can people come and find you? How can they get involved? How can they read? What's the what's the best way to get in touch, Ryan? Yeah. So for people that want to, that like want to take action, I'm, I'm big on, okay, like let's go and get, get and do this. Uh, you can go to viralmessagelab.com slash book. So viral, like the coronavirus, <laughs> um, <laughs> me- message, viral message lab, like laboratory.com slash book. And I'm sure we'll have the, like the link and stuff in the, in the show notes for people as well. So yeah, go there. And what, what I'll send you is some like act some more of the detail of what we talked about today, some sample chapters from the book. Um, and for some people I'll do little calls with them to, to get, the, get some feedback. So yeah, if you want to get more, more detail there and to actually go and do this, um, very much a possibility, very doable. It, it just like the biggest thing is it depends on people taking action. People to be like, yeah, this is important to me. Right. I, I could, could not agree more. So for anybody that's resonating with this and going, do you know what? This is the kick that I needed to take that action. Please do. Um, cause I think it's very easy for us as humans to procrastinate and say, that's a great idea. I'll do that in six months when things aren't so crazy with coronavirus. You know, do yourself a favor. Don't do it in six months. Do it in the next six seconds. You know, go and finish this. Make sure you, you've got your phone in your hand. You're listening to this on some sort of device. Go and use that device to uh, to make your way over to that website and then sign up. Ryan, this has been an absolute pleasure. I am 100% confident we're going to do uh, another session together because, as we said, we could both go for days, brother. But I really appreciate your time, and uh, I'm sure our audience have taken massive value from this. So so fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Phil. It's been a blast. And, yeah, looking forward to uh, to part two. 100%, brother. Looking forward to it. Listening to Billionaires in Boxes, Africa's number one entrepreneur broadcasting network. 